0: let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. (laughs) The day spring from on high hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Those words I just read were spoken by the priest Zechariah over his son, John the Baptist. Last week, Deacon David spoke to us at length about John the Baptist and his ministry and how we should understand him as the new Elijah. We know the birth of John was a miracle because uh, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were barren. But Zechariah was confronted by the angel Gabriel one day as he was performing his priestly duties in the temple, and they were told that they would have a son. The encounter left him mute because of his speech, because the encounter left him mute but once his speech was restored, he prophesied over John in this beautiful prayer, taken from Saint Luke one sixty-seven to seventy-nine, which can be found on page fourteen in the Book of Common Prayer in front of you in the pews. We sing it or pray it every day at morning prayer after the second lesson. The day, spring from on high, hath visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. There is no doubt that in this prayer, the day spring from on high is a reference to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who had visited Elizabeth and Zechariah while he was in the womb of his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary. But this verse, I think, is the perfect description of where we are tonight at this midnight mass. Now, I like to wake up early, very early. On a good day, I'm up somewhere between 5 and 530. Sometimes a little earlier, sometimes a little later. For me to get anything done, I have to wake up early before our four-year-old and our two-year-old get up. I really treasure that time. It's a good time for prayer. It's a good time to read, to write, to check off some of the other things on my to-do list. And one of the advantages of waking up that early in the morning is that you begin to see the sunrise, Most days, the sun comes up very slowly and very gradually. At first, you don't even notice it, but over time, it gets brighter and brighter. The light just barely pierces through the clouds. The birds begin to emerge and make noise. The commuters begin their morning journey. Nineteenth century Anglican theologian and priest John Keeble drew a parallel between the gradual coming of the day and the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Just as the day comes slowly but surely, So does Jesus. The light shines in the darkness. Jesus comes to us as the God man, but his humanity often shrouds his divinity. As Deacon David pointed out last week, he was born in a trough. What God is born in a trough? You couldn't write that as fiction. If you looked at that little helpless baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, he probably would have looked like any other baby. He was born in the humblest of circumstances, in a trough, in a stable, growing up in what was probably a meager household, working as a laborer among an occupied people. Only rarely did he explicitly reveal his divinity, and even then, it was only ever to a select group of people. He does this because we need him to come gradually, because who could stand in the presence of the full glory of the divine? This entire Advent season, we've dwelt in the convergence of the past and the present. Christ came at his incarnation to save the world. We say this during the canon of the, of the mass. By his blessed passion and precious death, his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. And we know he will come again to judge the quick and the dead. The sun is almost here, and now is the time for preparation. The sun has a morning star to announce his arrival. There was the new Elijah, John the Baptist, to announce the first coming of Jesus. The church takes up that mantle, the prophetic role, preparing ourselves and the world for the second coming of Jesus when he will come in judgment. And we do this by reading the scriptures by proclaiming the gospel, by administering the sacraments, by reciting the creeds, by engaging in catechesis, and all the other things that are essential to the church's mission. It's very easy for us this time of year to get lulled into the mundane, to get caught up in the consumerism of our age and busied by the pointless hustle and bustle, but we should not be distracted from what our true purpose is. In spite of all this, Jesus is coming near. The sun is rising. His return is closer now than it was last year at our last Christmas Eve midnight mass. The first time he came, they found no room for him in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph were turned away from their lodging. The people weren't ready for him. We as Christians have more knowledge than they did. The people of Bethlehem can be forgiven for their ignorance But when Jesus comes again, we won't have that excuse to fall back on. He's calling us and calling us and calling us constantly, urging us to prepare a room for him in our hearts, urging us to become temples fit for him to dwell in. The beauty of this time of forbearance is that he keeps knocking. The Holy Spirit keeps working in our hearts. The church keeps proclaiming the gospel and administering the sacraments. The question is whether we will answer. Whether we will use the now to become who we are supposed to be. And the choice is up to us. We can stay in bed and we can sleep the day away. Or we can wake up with the sun. If we stay asleep, I assure you we'll find the words of Proverbs six ten through 11 to be true. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding up the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that tra- traveleth. And thy want as an armed man. John Keeble tells us that in the here and now, Christmas may be almost universally positive, either because of the religious significance or the nostalgia factor or the consumerism, but one day, when our Lord returns, it will become a fearful word to those who celebrate this sacred day for the wrong reasons, those who don't use this time of forbearance to repent of their sins. But it doesn't have to be this way. We can rise with the sun. We can answer the door when he knocks. We can welcome him into our hearts. We'll find that that light that he provides keeps us on the highway of holiness so that we can avoid sin. We can be changed into his likeness. But if we walk through life with eyes wide shut, then the light of this beautiful day will do us little to no good. So it's my prayer that we use this Christmas to dwell more fully in the light. So wake up. I know, if you're like me, it's past your bedtime. Wake up. <laughs> Celebrate this monumental event of the incarnation and live as becomes it. Merry Christmas. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.